0: this is space cats peace turtles the unofficial podcast for fantasy flights twilight imperium
1: episode 95 dune root gent con impressions
0: music by ben prunty featuring matt martins and hunter donaldson
1: What are we going to do for uh, episode 100? We're five episodes away. I, I don't even want you to be bringing it up because
0: that implies that we definitely have to figure out something to do for episode 100. Well, and I mean, me very we, nervous. we
1: do and <laughs> we have we have five weeks now yeah. to figure it out. Oh, no. I mean, obviously, I'm being coy and we, I mean, obviously, we have a grandmaster oh, plan. we definitely have a plan, yeah. Yeah, we definitely have it figured out. Um, it's definitely not going to be like the Mabimbam Bam 420 thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where we skip it uh we're totally not gonna skip it we've got a great idea yeah not true um, we have no idea uh, at all um i, I this guess is we're weird. taking suggestions <laughs> do what we're taking
0: suggestions what do people i don't even know what someone's supposed to do for us for a, like a twilight imperium episode 100 thing yeah what uh, uh, what does that is is even this mean?
1: when we finally do twilight the twilight imperium fourth edition review where we decide whether we like it or not yes i think that's exactly what episode 100 is that'd be pretty uh, funny if we yeah. gave it like a 7.8 like not <laughs> not all the way just like pretty good it's pretty but good not it's not best in board yeah. not best do board game but like pretty good <laughs> um all right well we're back uh in our what our homes. separate yeah our separate homes uh I'm, I'm sick. I'm very sick. If, I, if my energy seems weird, it's because I feel... I'm I, I want to say it's
0: the con crud, but you, you have other theories. But the, the convention, convention centers will get you. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm, I feel pretty firm in the belief that the hunter got got by Gen Con. I didn't believe
1: uh, it. There was somebody... I forget. I think it was Necro Firewall was like i'm not I let's not shake hands there's yes, con it was. crud out there, yeah
0: yeah, and
1: uh I was like, oh that what' an, that seems like an overreaction, I remember thinking to myself, and now <laughs> i've been like I haven't been able to move for like four days, <laughs> so like yeah, yeah, you were maybe right. <laughs> maybe that's right, um yeah. What are we going to talk about today again? What's
0: well, this episode? You know, we we banked some stuff at uh, at Gen Con, and, and it's stuff we were really excited to do, and I'm really excited to share it. Uh, but to to kind of give some context to it, uh, we interviewed well, a the designer, one of the designers. There's four of them, but one of the designers of the new Dune edition, and by extension, the original Dune edition. Uh, we interviewed Bill Eberly. And we're gonna show you our interview with him in a bit, but then we also interviewed Patrick Leader of Leader Games, who are the company that publish Root. Uh, so we have two interviews with basically the designers of what will be our game two and three, which we're we're kind of like on the precipice of. And we got to see the games. In some cases, we got to to play one of the games. Uh, but let's let's well let's start talking about Dune first, because I think we're gonna show uh, that that Dune interview first, but we should talk a little bit about what, we learned about Dune at Gen Con and what right. we expect from it and everything.
1: Yeah, well, so, so we should go ahead and get it out of the way. We did not actually get to play Dune, which right. is kind of a bummer. Uh, it was it really just came down to scheduling. We had a lot of things we were trying to accomplish at Gen Con. Yeah. And honestly, Dune, they did not have a whole lot of copies there at right. the convention. And it was a hot um, item. <laughs> yeah, and it was getting... like there, We could have... The first day, I think we saw it and got cocky. We yeah. were there, and we, we saw, like, oh, there's, like, not that many people playing it right now, so we can probably play it whenever we want. Uh, that was not the case, and the fact that we missed it on the first day basically means we did not get another shot at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we we did get an interview, Bill, which is great. Um, we, we did watch a lot of people playing it. I, right. Me and Matt at one point just basically just stood there for, like, an hour and just watched people Yeah. um play the demo they were only
0: even demoing um well in the convention center hall they were only demoing like the first round or two and then you had to have ticketed event tickets to go play a full game of it so we hung around the demo center so we, we saw the first couple rounds playing but if you know anything about dune you know that it's a little bit different uh structurally than like twilight imperium or something so even seeing the first two rounds you kind of get a pretty good sense of like all of the things that can go on
1: within a game, right? Right. Um, I was kind of struck by it. It really felt very similar to Rex. I mean, I I'd, like this might be kind of obvious to some of you, um, but for me, I didn't know really what to expect as far as like because this is technically the first time I've played Dune, right? right like, I've right. I, I've never experienced Dune. I've only experienced Rex. Um, but I was kind of struck by like, wow, this is very very similar and whatever changes they have made to this new edition i did not detect them in right. watching people play very very closely so they and and also the impression that you might get even from the interview is that this new edition is more of a like cleaning up and You're less right. of a like you know it's not a bold new new version basically right if anything it's it's almost more than
0: anything it seems like it's just a celebration of like we got the license back we have right. to print new vert we got to get a new copy out there because right. the herbert estate let us do it so we absolutely you know with the movie coming out there's kind of this added buzz building up, and so clearly the Herbert estate is kind of opening up their doors a little bit. So this is just a jumped opportunity to to get it back in the hands of people. I mean, people, a lot of people can't get a hold of Dune anymore, because the second edition right. is, is a, quite a lot older game. Uh, so uh, it's it's exciting just that it's gonna become a thing that is at many many people's tables again which is a big reason why we want to want to get into it is it's kind of like this game that has a long-standing strategy where there are definitely experts but there will be a ton of new faces being brought to it uh, so it's this like kind of perfect marriage of I think what we as a show like to do and that's why I'm excited to start digging into it is what will be a little bit fresh faces with everybody else, despite having played a few games of Rex, but we are by no means experts at even Rex.
1: Right. Uh, no, definitely. We're definitely not. I mean, I am definitely not yeah. uh, for sure. Uh, I feel like I only, I only played Rex a small number of times. Yeah. Um, so it like, even in watching people play, it, I could tell like, Oh, I kind of, I, I could, I even remembered like which, um, which house in Dune corresponded to which Twilight Imperium, uh, faction, which was good. I didn't. I, I thought I actually might kind of forget how all of that uh, spaces out because there's yeah. some weird ones like the Bene, Bene Gesserit being. The turtles Extra. doesn't yeah. really quite, <laughs> doesn't quite that doesn't like, quite sit well, in my especially, head, especially
0: yeah, because you have an actual familiarity with Dune. I'm actually in the process of reading Dune, well, listening. I listen to audiobooks, but I, I've been listening to Dune uh, recently, so I'm I'm catching up on the Dune bandwagon. But you've right. read Dune before, right. so you have this familiarity with what the factions are. So for you, translating the Benny Gesserit to the Excha, and you know uh, all the all the other like hearken into the barony of Letnev, mm-hmm. those seem like maybe more. Difficult shifts to make for your lore knowledge,
1: right? Yeah, I, I, I think the the ability for the Benny Jesuit to predict the winner, like, and then win instead, uh, that makes so much more sense for them yes. than it does the Turtles in Twilight Imperium. <laughs> uh, that was that was one thing I kind of took away from it. What do you think about the game uh, aesthetically? Because uh, I, I really love the board a lot. I think I yes. actually like. The art and everything, and don't attack me here, but I kind of like the look of it a lot better than Rex, actually. yeah, I never really liked... The cover of Rex, right? Like there was just something about the box that didn't. It feels really... like
0: a like a cult remake of Ti or something. Like it just feels like yeah. this weird kind of side project, which it, it is. But yeah, Dune. Dune. The art style and everything that they've got is is interesting. I think there's a lot of history to it. Actually, I think the artist that they have that did like the character art and stuff is a like well known, revered uh, uh Dune artist. You know, it's almost like the Lord of the Rings movies hiring famous Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. artists to to Mm -hmm. do their conceptual art i think this is a similar story with a lot of the art that's going into this dune edition yeah um which is is cool i i do like it i i've heard some people say they're they're not like super hot on it but i think it totally depends on how you feel about uh characterizations it's not realistic right like these these the characters are cartoon characters basically in Mm -hmm. in the artwork and then the planet itself has this very realistic feel but it is kind of towing a line between representation and like trying to be an an actuality or whatever, you know, trying to be realistic. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate that, but I think some people it might rub the wrong way for someone who wanted like a really authentic uh, Dune uh, release. I, I think there's maybe who, who knows, you know, if the movie comes out and they own this license, I don't know. if There's anything that stops them from doing another reprint that is like just okay. Well, here's Timothy Chalamet, and he's just going to be on oh. your box art now.
1: I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> it when. when I stuff don't either. Does that.
0: I think that's kind of a likely scenario. And if you don't dig the cartoon art, I guess you can look forward to that. <laughs> no, be, I,
1: but the argument. <laughs> I like the cartoon art. I I did uh, like. I feel like we did hear uh, some people. Yeah, you're right. We did kind of hear some people at GenCon talking down on the the aesthetics of the of the game, but I want to point out they they had these mats that they yeah. were laying down that I didn't really care for that much, and right. I think the mats were kind of taking the they would they would lay this mat down, they would lay the board down. That's like how they it's like how every every game in GenCon is presented. They have this mat that you'll never really use, and it'll right. just be like a little. Uh like a poster, really, yeah, that yeah, they just have laid out across the table, and I just felt like the dune one wasn't very good, but the right. board and the pieces i I stand by those i really I really yeah. like those, and that's what you're gonna get in the box anyway, so you're right not get you're the way it's gonna
0: actually look on your table is probably better than what it's gonna look like at Gen con uh just because yeah. of all of that going into yeah. it well so Hunter, talk to me a little bit about what you think uh what what you think strategically going into dune like where's your head where's your head at right now with uh well
1: how so to translate structurally, things yeah so structurally i feel like root maybe had not not to get ahead of the sure. conversation but uh i feel like root has a little more in common with twilight imperium as far as what a game can look like yeah because uh because they're both based on a victory point system and it's actually... It's a victory point system that's kind of a tall order, right? Yeah, uh, right. Obviously, Twilight Imperium is much taller than Roots. and in, in fact, Twilight Imperium doesn't even allow you to win until a specific time, right? I mean, the, right. it's mathematically impossible for anyone to win until you cross a certain threshold. Um, in Dune... Uh, that is not true. Right. And so structurally, I think it'll be a very different beast for us to tackle with the show. And I'm excited by that challenge. Yeah, definitely. I did not remember that about Dune. or or I I remembered it, but I didn't really feel it until we were watching people play it. And I was like, oh, yeah. This game has a completely different pace than uh, Twilight Imperium does. Twilight Imperium has such a more deliberate pace, whereas Dune... I mean the victory conditions are I don't I don't want to say lax but they are cuz it's di- it's difficult to do it's definitely difficult to win a game of Dune right. it's definitely not an easy game but it
0: fluctuates yeah, way more
1: than you can't lose your victory points in. So
0: you're always making progress in Ti and Root, whereas dude, yeah. you can make some progress and then lose all of that progress. And yeah, have to reset yeah. From nothing,
1: the uh, fact that you could basically almost do it and then actually destroy your whole game in a in a round and then have another shot basically in the next round. Right, like right. That that's kind of wild. That's that's very different from Twilight Imperium.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm just excited to see how how we talk about factions and how we talk about wind conditions when it comes to like, it's way more about big plays, right? Like in TI, we talk about have a swing round. You got to do things like that. But at the end of the day, it's all about that incremental growth. Whereas in Dune, it's about like, we have to develop these strategies where it's like, let's set up a situation where we can then swing our opportunity into victory and who can we ally with that's a whole other thing too we haven't talked about but like dune you can have an ally you can have a two-person victory so that's a completely different dynamic that we're going to have to learn how to you know there's going to be good combos there's going to be like oh a harkonnen pairs best with this if you want to do an allied victory try to get this person's alliance or whatever like that that will be a thing we have to talk about
1: that's what's interesting about uh, alliances whenever they're built into a strategy game is I always wonder if there is a balance consideration right like if if and and i i'm not saying I like feel like this might be the case with dune i just that 's always my question uh is if alliances are included in the in the strategy game is that maybe because some of the factions are just straight up not as good so they should ally together like are right. there certain factions that like shouldn't really or like it would be kind of overkill if they did so i wonder yeah that's gonna be see even just right there <laughs> that's kind of mind-blowing as far as like how much how much work we have to do and yeah. i want to go ahead and throw this down because i feel like we haven't really contextualized this enough i feel like what we're at what what you're actually going to get uh, out of out of us as far as dune and root is the equivalent of the the first round strategy guides. Yeah. Where definitely. they're and, and maybe even more first glance type yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then if if we do all that and then we're like, okay, that was all really good, then we'll get really deep into yeah, it. Definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I don't think, I, I don't want people to think that we're gonna come into this new game and just do everything perfect, basically. Yeah. We're gonna try and make it we're gonna try and do all that work to make it easier for people who don't know how to play the game to play the game and get into some basic strategy that even dumb people like me and Matt can figure out. Yeah. But they are definitely not gonna be Encyclopedias.
0: Well, and and the bigger thing too is it's a part of that it's it's all about the community effort, right? It's the same thing that happened early yeah. on in this show, which is like we learned things alongside the community. We didn't like right. learn things on our own. It was like that was the, the that's why this show has errata. Is it's we hear from you and we go, oh dang, you're totally right. We're dead wrong. Let's let's reincorporate that idea and that teaches us, and then our future episodes are are more Intelligent because of it. So we will a hundred percent be looking for feedback on on all of these early episodes for each game uh, yeah. because there's going to be experts in the field that you know will be able to call us out on bad plans and bad
1: strategy. Right. That's definitely going to happen, and I lo- I look forward to it. Do we want to do we want to give them this uh, this interview? I'm really excited I, for yeah. people to hear this interview. I, I'm I'm proud of both these interviews, but I just got to say, this one. This one really, I don't know if you can hear it in the interview itself, but we were, we were like kind of blown away by Bill here. Yeah. Well, uh, he's
0: a legend and it's intimidating to be around a legend, even though he's super not an intimidating guy at all. Uh, and you might hear it in this, but, uh. Bill Eberly and his, his co-designers also designed Cosmic Encounter, and he mentions that in the interview, and I've told Hunter that before, but he relearns that in the process of this interview, so yep, you might hear I... a bit of a startle in his voice when he brings that up, because that's one of Hunter's favorite games, and so just to be, like, yeah, talking I... with this guy who's kind of, like, one of the greatest living board game designers is, a, is pretty cool and, and was very exciting, and to hear him talk about it uh, is, is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that was uh that that yeah, that's very true. I I I totally forgot that you had told me that because uh yeah, that just completely blew me away. Here, let's just let's let's get right into it. Here here's the interview right here. So I want to ask you right off the bat uh that we're here with uh Bill, how do you say your last name? I'm sorry.
2: It's Eberly.
1: Eberly. We're here with Bill Eberly, um and I want to ask how does it feel to be designing Dune again at this point in 2019?
2: It's not designing Dune again. It's right. resurrecting okay. the, the Dune that, in fact, had never died because the fans kept it alive. Right. And including this artist who, for the fans, did all this wonderful art, and now it's going to be out right. with all that great art. So it's, it's great. What we had to do is fix things that weren't quite the way they should have been and, and make the rules better and more easily understood, and take optional rules and advanced rules, and say, no, let's make that one thing advanced. And um, go through, really get all the language right, is doing as good a job as we possibly could do. So that was the work. So it's not redesigning. The design works. so it's a, it's a lot of, like, you're,
1: cl- you're cleaning up, you're bringing things together, and... editing and thinking and thinking and editing. Right. Very good, very good. What, what, would, you, what would you say about Dune, the game? Like I mean, it has such a, such a legacy to it, but let's say, you know, we, we have a lot of listeners, I'm sure, that have never heard of Dune, don't know what's up with this game. They, they, they all love strategy games, though. So what would you say to someone who's never played
2: Dune before about why should they play this game? Well, the one thing I would say is is if you haven't read the book, read the book.
0: <laughs>
2: because this game is an exercise of people who love the book and wanted to create a game that was as good as the book. So that inspired us. And also that made you feel like some of the same things that we felt when we were reading it and the characters that we loved or hated or who surprised us because that book surprised us so that's an exercise in how do you take a book and make a game about it and it's not an easy thing to do and we did our best so i'd want them to know first that that that's what's that's why the game got created the other is that it works you the characters are all the mechanics of the game recreate the situations of the different main houses and factions in the book. So you, if you're playing the Fremen, you'll, you'll feel what it would have been like to be in that universe of that book as a Fremen or the Harkonnen. If you're the Harkonnen, you're going to be gloating like the Baron was right, right. more often than not about his wonderful Plan that was going just the way he had hoped it. And if you're the emperor, you will be lulled into a sense of security because all this money's coming your way and things seem to be. Well, like, how could you not win? Right. I mean, you're the emperor, and 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 if you're the the guild controlling shipping, you definitely feel like you have you're superior right. <laughs> to these other beings right. Cause it, because because you have a flexibility that they don't have in in movement, if you're the Bene Gesserit. You will be experiencing some of the same things that if you were that in the book and in that world, well, you're gonna be able to do some of that in the game. Ditto if you're the treaties. So we're trying to make you feel like you're living in that book, only you're playing a game that will Immerse you.
1: That's very. I like all the emphasis on like thematic, like making you feel like you are playing as uh, as each of these houses or or each of these players in uh, in Dune the book. Uh, if we could get on the more like mechanical side, what's what's something about this edition of Dune that had that uh, when you were talking about like you know kind of cleaning up certain things, what's something about this edition that uh, you specifically were like, oh, we got to go in and do this or or change this little tweak this slightly.
2: Um, Gale Force Nine wanted to put everything in to make the game play better, and over the years, fans have actually said, "Well, this would help. This would help. This would help," and so we were able to do that. So this game, you have the components and the cards to that you don't. You're not writing on paper like the Avalon Hill. It's a different experience because we put everything in there to make it easy for you to play the game. In your opinion, what what about
1: Dune has made it has made it last as long I mean there's a lot of really great strategy games out there that have kind of come and gone or or haven't even had as many additions as Dune. What what is it about Dune that is making it so that we're we are still playing it
2: today? I mean we started with Cosmic Encounter and we wanted a game that you would play and play again and play again and play again. And the strategy is very simple. Every time you play, you can be different. And then the and there'll be different elements in it and it's a different game. Well, that concept got kind of invented in that game. Obviously, when we do Dune, it's the same concept. It's going to be different depending on who you play and which factions are in the game and also which of your friends are who you know because your friend is going to be a different kind of actual the Harkonnen are going to bring something out of them that the Atreides won't but the Atreides will bring something out of your friend that you know that, it, it, so people become different when they're playing because they're almost forced to be by the Realities, I mean, we like people to face realities because that's when you really start using your noggin. You know, you're in an impossible situation where that's when you start to think. And and I think that that's what makes the game replayable because you've had these different kinds of experiences with this one game. And that's our, I mean, if a game isn't replayable, it's not something we will ever try to get published. I think all of our games have that in common. I mean, this is, I mean, Cosmic Encounter and Dune are, are we really achieved that in a wonderful way. Um, but we're, you know, we've got a lot of other games too, and, 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 and they achieve it. This, I mean, Dune just was the right combination of, we were so reverent about the book that. It got the best of us, I mean our best is in that game, the best we could do as game designers. We were irreverent young men who didn't believe in let's say we didn't trust the establishment and and we were wanting to make games that kind of threw that up and gave you a different world that you made um, I got kind of a I got
1: a personal kind of follow up for that like. Who, um, when you're going to play Dune next, who are you most looking forward to playing as? Which house is it that you want to sit as right
2: now? I, you'll,
1: you'll just play any.
2: I don't play games to win. Oh, okay. I play cool. games to have experiences.
1: So it's what, it's like dependent on your mood maybe? Maybe you'll be in a mood to be, You maybe you'll be
2: angry. I kind of like to do it at random. Yeah. So that's... My preference So
1: it's like the game kinda tells you what what experience you're gonna have.
2: Yeah. And yeah. and and it is like I trust fate yeah. to have an experience and and so for me it's it's having it be random is fine. Yeah. And and some days you're rich, some right. days you're poor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way life is. And no. I, I don't buy that.
1: That's great, that's great. Well, this was really, really good, Bill. Thank you so much uh, for sitting down with us. We're really looking forward to getting our hands on the game, and we're probably gonna be talking about it for quite a while at this point. Um,
2: have A lot of great experiences playing it. Oh yeah, Well,
1: we, we most certainly will, we most certainly
2: will. I mean, games are the people that are playing them. And I like creating games that, that do that, allow people to be more of themselves. And that's what, game, that's what board games do they allow you to be people you've never been and and you know you find things in yourself that's what board games are and that's why we created Cosmic Counter that's why we created Doom we're lucky <laughs> we're lucky that there were you know three of us that could care enough about each other and about what we were doing to put up with each other and argue all of the arguments that we ever had about this or that thing being the right thing and all make it finally fit a game.
1: You just blew my mind, Bill. Um, that was that that was great. That was I don't even know what to say. That was what you like. I'm gonna like cry talking about this board game right now. <laughs> you care about this, Bill.
2: Yeah, awesome. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Well, thank
1: you so much again uh, for talking with us, even for a short while here.
2: This was awesome. Have people um, want to. You know, right. Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's perfect. All right, thank you, thank you.
0: Well, Hunter, I hope I hope you had a, a couple weeks now, or about a, a week, to compose yourself after that. Uh, you you ended there with quite a lot of. Uh, just intensity and you,
1: you were ready to just kiss the man. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, i he was the intense one. Right. All right. <laughs> I, I was blown away by his, his passion and his, uh, yeah. his dedication. He was like, he was like that scene in, uh, you know that scene in, in Lord of the Rings where uh, <laughs> where Gandalf is talking to Frodo and it yeah. gets all like big all of a sudden and like right. every, the room gets dark, Yeah, uh, the the like don't tempt me Frodo moment? Yeah. That's kind of what Bilbo. it felt like. It was yes. like everything. Oh, it is Bilbo. Yeah. It's not Frodo. Uh, yeah. I don't I'm like embarrassed actually even <laughs> thinking about people <laughs> listening to that interview now. And, uh, and... Yeah.
0: Well, let's... Yeah. Let's change gears then, and let's talk a little about Root, uh, because Root's something that's been out for a while. Lots of people yeah. have been playing it Uh but we they actually were didn't
1: at, play a lot of Root. Yes, uh, we
0: did. And I've been yeah. playing a bit more of it because the whole thing with Dune is we don't have copies yet. They're supposed to ship August 24th. We're hoping to get ours sooner. They said people at Gen Con were going to get their copies earlier. We'll, we'll see if that's true. But like, Dune doesn't ship out till August 24th, which means we don't expect to maybe even have it till as late as like October if they stick right. to their schedule. Right. So that, that could be really tricky. Uh, but Root is something we have our hands on right now. We we got it and its first expansion, uh, and I've played one time with the first expansion. But mostly we've been trying to dedicate our time to learning the base game. But they were there, uh, also talking about their upcoming Underworld expansion, so the second expansion for Root. So in a minute we'll talk to Patrick Leader of Leader Games. Uh, but let's talk kind of about what the show is going to do when we get to to do Root. Now of course we're going to do Dune first, but since we're getting games in a root i think we already have a a much better idea of like what kind of a beast we're tackling with root and the biggest thing is you mentioned earlier but root has much more of a structure like ti and i think people are going to be surprised to hear us say that because root in many ways definitely is not ti but i think the point we get at when we say it has a similar structure is just to say that there is an early game a mid game and a late game you you build yourself up you have incremental points that you score Mm -hmm. um so in that way those types of uh, conversations will be similar to TI of like, okay, this is what you do in your early game. This is what you do in your mid game. This is what you do in your late game. It has has
1: similar like inertia to Twilight Imperium, even if it doesn't play anything like
0: it. But all that being said, the asymmetry of Root is way more extreme uh, than Twilight Imperium. And that's where things are going to be very, very different for us is talking about, um, I mean, really it's not even enough to like, have an episode that's like a Marquise de Cat guide. It's like you kind of have to have a f- a few episodes about that because Marquise de Cat is playing a completely different game than right. the Eerie or anything else. So we, I don't know exactly what we'll structure it like, but in general, I mean, obviously, the only way you can approach this game is from a faction based perspective because that's the
1: only way to play the game is with one specific faction's goals in mind. I would imagine it's probably gonna be if 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 I had to if I had to decide right this second that it will basically be like a tutorial episode and then like a basic strategy yeah. stuff episode. Right. right. Um, but yeah, well, I, I really, I, I liked root root really like charmed me over yeah. this trip. Um, it's been and winning me it's over dumb. a lot. <laughs> I think it's really dumb that we hadn't, hadn't just already played it before. Anyway. Yeah. Um, one funny little tidbit I just want to throw out Um if you guys listened to the last episode, the live uh, the live episode with uh, S- Stephen Wilbur, our guest who is yeah. a fellow Portland comedian, that guy doesn't. That guy is so picky about board games, just yeah. in general, <laughs> uh, and he definitely doesn't like strategy games. He like we. I tried to get him to play Twilight Imperium, and he looked at it and was like, "This is disgusting." Yeah. Um, he loves root. Yeah. Like he can't. He, he may have he been he the most to addicted root. to it. <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's more into it than I am. He's like wanting to play it basically all the time. He just loves the vagabond, though. Yeah. And that's what I think that's one thing that I think is really cool about Root is that I can totally see someone just kinda being like, Yeah, I like Root, but when I say I like Root, I just mean I like to play this one role. And that's basically it. That's my role And and that's that's totally okay.
0: Because that's the thing is the factions are so different that you are going to like that game. You know what I mean? Right. Vagabond right. Root is a different game than Erie. You like it in the context, so you're going to play Root. But like myself, I've been playing just the Eerie. We're kind of already gearing up for these guys, so you've been playing a lot of Marquise mm-hmm. de Cat, and I've mm-hmm. been playing the Eerie. And... Just like tackling the Eerie has been crazy for me, but it's so interesting to see that like maybe the Erie is a is a bad faction for me and how I am in games. And I look forward to how things might change when we approach something like the otters, which are the the river folk company from the first right. expansion. Right. That's something where it's like, oh man, I might actually be able to play that faction, but because I'm right. digging into this other one, it's just so interesting how the different games that you even have access to will will drastically change. Uh, and, and I think that's going to reflect itself in what our guides or whatever you want to call them eventually look like. What episodes about Root look like is going to be dependent on that.
1: Yeah, I actually think there might be a pretty good case for the different factions in Root are not so much like... It's not like, oh, you're a master Root player because you can play all the factions. No. It's like the factions are sort of like... I don't know. They're like your astrology sign or something. Right, they right. like go with... The type of player that you are yeah um so if you're just like not if you're just matched up incorrectly with uh with the faction that you're playing then you're just not necessarily going to have the best time that's just my take on it right now though yeah yeah Uh, but yeah i think
0: thinking about like high strategy for root and like tournaments and stuff i was thinking about like there's there's been some tournaments for root but in my mind i would really want there to be like a tournament where like you're only beholden to one faction like you're gonna go to this tournament and you're gonna play the eerie oh that's game. an
1: interesting idea. i don't know
0: how you structure that but like that's how i think about this game differently is like i want to see the best eerie player in the world and i want to see right. the best woodland
1: alliance player in the
0: world Gotta and, be and a i want to see the nightmare
1: trying to like the the behind the scenes work I, for that yeah. tournament oh but not, you've, you've not, spoken it into I've existence it now into matt existence. you know well, we're been, gonna have yeah. to do that
0: yeah, it, it, it scares me to think about that. But I will say uh, we are definitely going to start with just the base game just because that's like the easiest thing to get access to for people. But in no way are we intending on stopping there because for me, the base game really feels very locked in
2: to what mm-hmm. strategies
0: are available. I mean, if, you, if you're always going to play four-player games, the base game is always going to be the same setup. I mean, yeah, you get to choose like a different starting location kind of, but beyond that, it's like... The Eerie will always interact with the Marquis in the same ish way with the Woodland Alliance and the Val- like that. Those four factions relationships are always the same. The second you introduce even a single expansion into the mix, I what I felt just the other day when we played it is every single thing changes uh, and it becomes a much more to me interesting game Um I think it's very interesting in the base game, but if anything it's a little bit more of a of a math problem to be solved in the base right. game, whereas the expansions open it up to like oh, now we're getting into like this sort of meta text or this meta game stuff that we just have to figure out on a case by case basis. Can I, uh, can I
1: I can I push back on that a little bit because sure. I I think the reason that you feel that way is so strong with the, I don't I think you've got a case here. I I I think what you're saying makes sense. But I think the reason that you feel that way is because you're playing as the eerie yeah and and i'm playing as the cat so i basically feel the exact same way too right. but i just know from seeing steven's joy and playing the vagabond and also just seeing how the woodland alliance functions they both have a lot more randomness built into yeah. it or, or a lot more like things that can just kind of go different directions right um and i think because we focused on the two kind of big mathy meaty ones first right i think that's why in the base game it feels a little bit like oh it's not being this is not shaken up that much yeah but i also just feel like your experience of trying to, get to learn the eerie has been kind of well fraught. i've been beating my head against the wall so yeah i'm, I'm
0: very just kind of like stubbornly trying to figure out how to even compute this game because the eerie has been has been challenging me quite a lot uh, and yeah I'm, I'm i'm finally getting somewhere where i'm like oh i think i'm actually learning this and if anything that experience is like the biggest thing i want to be able to solve for newer players, which is, like, Mm -hmm. I think Root has a really difficult learning learning curve in the beginning, right? Like, just even processing what your faction is supposed to do in relation to the other ones, that's, like, the hardest part. And if we are able to construct some beginner's guides that just get people to understand really what they should be doing and the context that surrounds that, mm-hmm. I, that will be my biggest triumph with this game is if we can just communicate that. Because that's, for me, been the hardest part is just learning and understanding those relationships.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I one thing that is fundamentally different about Root, and I think it's... what You kind of blew my mind earlier with the tournament comment. I would not feel like it would be fair to like make someone play a root faction that they did not want to play right like and i don't feel that way like if somebody if i'm playing twilight imperium with someone and like they just get like a we decide to do like random draw or something they get a faction they don't like yeah well too bad you got play. Right. you know what i mean like my attitude right. isn't isn't really like oh there's no way i would ever let you i mean like right they're not gonna I'm, be that different I, I, at the end of the day like right it's, it, right you're still like, playing like, TI. you know how to play one faction of twilight imperium uh, then you understand the basics of playing them all. But if like if you don't know how to play a root faction, then you just don't know how to play it at all. Like, right. And it's, it's going to be right. a freaking headache to have you play that faction basically. Right.
0: Yeah, especially because of how much they all rely on each other. Mm-hmm. So far, my experience has been to me, it's starting to feel like the game is more about recognizing who's catch like who's getting their their feet who's getting their the ground beneath them mm-hmm. and you have to stop them. it's gonna be so much more about point denial than it is about like scoring your own points like you should always be scoring your own points but you definitely need to stop the people who are starting to get a leg up and you need to stop them as a as a table as a board you right. know once one person i think it's a much more difficult game um in terms of, like, comeback mechanics. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and this is something we talked a little bit with about Patrick that you're going to hear, but it's not, like, a primary consideration for them to have, like, big comeback mechanics. To have big comeback mechanics, you need, like, big things of randomness, and they're leaving a lot of that out. So uh, your, your, like, we have been kind of keep saying, your inertia, like, your progress sticks with you And if you build a really good engine that's working well, it might be too late for other players to stop you. So that early game and that mid game are really all about making sure nobody else finds their footing. Uh, And and that's what kind of that because you need to know what everybody else is capable of. It's just really hard to communicate that when you don't even know, like, how the Woodland Alliance works and what's what is good. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, I, I mean, I was about to say the exact same thing about the Vagabond, because, like, I fail to understand when the Vagabond has reached a point of being yeah. very good. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll just look over and be like, oh, my God, the Vagabond only needs eight points more to win. How right. did that, we, we watched. what happened? We, we, we played
0: a game uh, a couple days ago, and EJ was playing the Vagabond, and uh, someone else was playing the Lizard Cult, and the Lizard Cult was kind of doing well all game, and none of us really, because none of us had played with the Lizard Cult before, we didn't even know what to expect. But then suddenly we all looked over at EJ, and like EJ had had a lead all game, but it's one of those like, oh yeah, you're up by one point, whatever. And then suddenly EJ was just like, oh, I'm definitely winning the game like this round, and you're just all done. And we look over at his board, and it's like, oh, I guess that's what, Really, really good vagabond looks like. I didn't know yeah. that until this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely still very much babies when it comes to root. Where, I, yeah, I just don't even know what I'm. Well, what me and Paul, me and Paul played that game the other night where Paul messed up the rules and oh, yeah. won the game
0: <laughs> by um, like a landslide. But it's because he was yeah scoring very wrong. But, but I didn't
1: know that he was doing that right. incorrectly. Exactly. Everything. I think a part of it too is everything happens so separately. You know, yeah. it's all happening on your sheet. Right, and then it's happening on their sheet. So if somebody's doing something wrong on their sheet, I have right. no idea. I have all no, I see, I, is am not presence. that. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's the that's part of the game. That's what we're learning about the game is like, oh, I guess we have to be keeping a very close eye on people's sheets. So I'm yeah, it'll be to see a where fun where game goes. to have a moderator for. I yeah. think yeah, very very much so. Every yeah, game that's exciting. Use a
1: moderator actually, so that's fine. Well, I think uh,
0: it's time to to jump to our interview with Patrick. Uh, I loved this uh, talk with Patrick because uh, he's just a hilarious dude. like he's very really cool guy. really yeah. cool and fun to talk to. and the the leader games team has been like really responsive just in general to us. They're an incredibly nice group of people. Uh, we you know, I've reached out to Cole, the the designer before, and he was really responsive. and I, I think, the thing that excites me the most about Root is that we're going into it with a company that seems like they want to work with us, which is very, very fun. And that's not a promise or anything, but I'm just saying they're, they're a really cool bunch that I think will be able to... Uh, get more interviews with them and, and be able to kind of get more designer notes. And, and they like to talk strategy. You know, they, they designed this game with the intent of it being a strategy game, uh, which is different than you may have just heard in the Dune interview, where it's like, yeah, he wanted to design a strategy game, but he wanted to design a Dune game. And right, that was the right. focus. This game is more about, like, I want an asymmetrical strategy game. And the theme is there, but it is mostly about, like, how do these factions interact with each other? Um, right. So I'm really pumped to just continue being able to talk about that with them. So without further ado, let's let's talk about it with them with Patrick Leader. We are here with Patrick Leader of Leader Games, uh, the producers, distributors, kind of everything of Root, right? So uh, we, Hunter and I, have not played Root yet, so we're coming in pretty blind. But our fans are dying for us to start digging into this, and we are also dying because we've been addicted to the art ever since we first heard about it uh, last you know, year or before. Um, so I guess the first thing we kind of want to do is, is have you give us that like, typical pitch of just like, what, what is Root, and, and why are our fans so sure. engaged with us doing that?
3: So first of all, let me promote. On September 21st, we're having an art show for Kyle Farron. In the Twin Cities, so we're taking over gallery, and we're doing like 80 of his prints up in the up in the gallery. It'll be 30 or 40 root prints. So if you're excited about the art, come on down. Yeah, we have we haven't officially announced it yet. Uh, anyway, so I will explain root to you now. Uh, so root is our um, uh, two to four player asymmetric um, area control game. So much like Twilight Imperium, we're moving ships into an area to control it in Root, there's only one thing, warriors, and you're moving warriors into, into clearings to control them uh, for whatever reason. It's asymmetric, and so you have, uh, everybody's kind of doing that for a different reason. So there is the cat who is um, recently conquered the woods. Uh, she is from a, a rural group of, uh, like a rural empire, and she's moved into the woods with her cat warriors. And um, she's just there to build infrastructure. So she's building sawmills, she's building recruiters, she's building crafters, and she gets points if she does that with the wood that she gets from the, from the, from the forest. Uh, so she's a job creator, right? You know? Uh, <laughs> uh, the birds, the old area, the old order, the old area of birds has come back to the um, forest to reconquer it from the, uh, from the cats. Um, and so they have a huge military presence at the start of the game, and they can, they can blow up from there. The Eerie has to make a, uh, a decree every turn. So they say, this turn we're going to attack in a red clearing. And so by, they do that by putting a card into their decree, and they have to follow their decree exactly every turn. If they miss a step of their decree, they, uh, their government falls apart, they assassinate that leader and a new leader takes over and they have to start a new decree with the new government. There is an art to doing it. Sometimes you want to crash a little bit in the early game to kind of reset a little bit after you grab a lot of territory quickly and then you then you, then you refactor and, and come out swinging in the late game. Some people can manage to go the whole game. Hi Josh! Uh, some some people can hold go the whole game without crashing, and and so that's kind of the sorry about that. Uh, you don't have to be. Yeah, uh, he's my best friend. Uh, so, uh, so uh, so they crash and they have to restart their government and 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 start up again. The woodland alliance then is the people in the forest are the foxes, the rabbits, uh, the mice, and there's. We wanted it to be like the game, the art depicts, there might be people loyal to the cats that aren't necessarily cats. So it's not just, it's not just broken down around racial lines. And um, so the, uh, the rabbits and the foxes and the mice are the inhabitants of the forest. They form the Woodland Alliance and the Woodland Alliance starts with nothing on the board. And as the game goes on, they gather sympathy and sympathy leads to areas of the board that it's hard for the other players to travel into. And eventually, they rebel and destroy uh, destroy things and put bases down, and then they get troops on the board. and They're kind of guerrilla fighters. There's not as many warriors, but they fight better than the other than the other groups. And then the last group is a single uh, person called the vagabond. Uh, there's three options. There's a, a like a thief raccoon, a tinker a beaver, and a uh, like a ranger wolf, and. Um, they're just in it for fame and fortune. So they they sometimes they can help people, sometimes they can attack people. They do like somewhere during the game, they're probably gonna end up clipping somebody's wings by attacking them because they're pretty destructive themselves, and um, and they can also go questing and get and get cards and points for it. So, uh, so you know they're just kind of in the middle of all this. I like playing them because. It's like if you're in a role-playing game where you're playing the character in a war-torn country, you get that experience. But the the factions are actually like doing things, and they're active in the world, instead of just being menacing towards each other. So, and I, I like that interaction. What I love about all this is there's just obviously an intense
0: amount of theme in there, which the art already kind of like brings you in. But that's something that that TI does really well. Of yeah. like every faction, you're just so invested in in their story. So it's more than just the strategy, but they kind of then all coalesce together. Um, so there's two, there's two expansions, right? There's, there's one that's already out, the Riverfolk expansion. But you guys have one upcoming. What is that? When is it available? And then I'm going to have a follow-up question after that. OK.
3: Uh, so the Underworld expansion is coming out in, um, it's arriving in a couple of months. It's at the printer right now. We've done all the wood and stuff. Now we just go do the paper components. And uh, what that is, is it's, uh, it adds a new map to the, to the game. So, it's another double sided board. The original route comes with um, a double sided board. And um, it adds a mountain pass map. So, there's kind of a tight uh, area you can fight over. Uh, if you control the center of it, you get an extra point every turn, which is unusual from all the other boards. Uh, and there's also um, paths through the mountains that you can cut during the game. So, you can create new paths during the game. So, it's kind of a vector map. Uh, and so, you know, you can create new vectors basically during the game. Um, the other half then is a lake map, and so there's a giant lake in the center of the map and the players can sail across it with a raft that they can, uh, that they can take control of. And um, so there's those two. There's also two more factions. Uh, the Crows are like kind of a deep espionage state, and so they are, uh, they have guerrilla fighters on the board, and they are uh, performing plots on the board to kind of trick the other players and, and confound the other players. Um, the other faction then is the the great underground duchy, just the underground duchy. I call it the great, but <laughs> uh, and they are um, military interventionists, and so they they live they live in the earth, and then throughout the game they tunnel up and 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 uh, and try and peacekeep a little bit on the on the surface. So, um, and then they then with their influence with the tribes on the or the factions on the board can spend that to appoint lords to their parliament, and the lords give them extra actions or other point scoring opportunities. So uh, there's also, in addition, there's more Vagabond options in, in there, yep. So for for us, there's always been a debate
0: of like, how did the chef intend all of this to work? You know, anytime an expansion comes out too, it's like, is the expansion required material? So for us, when we're coming into this game kind of blind, we, we've known a little bit. We haven't played it ourselves yet, though. Um, but we want to be able to give, like, the best strategy discussions for our fans. For, y- for you guys, what do you think is the best way to introduce yourself to Droot and get into it, and then when do you upgrade to those expansions? What's kind of, like, the best process, or is it one of those, like, get every expansion you can and the whole thing just works together at once?
3: Uh, so the strength of Root versus Vast is that, which is our previous title, is that the uh, there's enough generic rules at the center of it, like the Warriors all fight the same, the Warriors all move the same, that once you teach that core of how rulership of a clearing works, how movement works, how combat works, a lot of people can look... You can take the verbs from that and look at your player board and figure out what you, what you do. Uh, so I would sit down and make sure the group has a strong... That's how I teach it. I make sure people... I'm like, this is what ruling means. This is what moving means. This is what combat means. Uh, I would let people draft their... The role that they want to be. I would just play with the base set out of the box. And... Um, let people play two or three games in the same role. Don't be in a hurry to switch roles, because as you get more into your role, you also learn what you have to do in the late game to kind of hedge the other players' bets for winning. And, uh, and I think Twilight Imperium has a little bit of that. Like certain, other, certain groups are so polarized, different than the other ones, that you kind of have to learn how to, how to implement your late game. And, and Root definitely has that. that You have to learn how to score the big 10 points at the end of the game to win the game. Because whoever's anyway, first to 30 wins the game. Um, so that's how I'd recommend doing it. And then I would mix in the the uh, factions. If you want to play five-player um, with that approach, I would suggest getting river the Riverfolk expansion, which adds the Otters on. And I think the Otters are a nice fit for the fifth player because they trade and facilitate the other players. And they, they speed up the game a little bit in that process, or they make, they make the gameplay a little bit smoother for everyone in that process. And and so again, just sticking to the same roles a few times, and then slowly add in the, the rest of the material. So the maps are a nice add, too, because the maps change the flow of the game, but they don't change the rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because that's a big thing for us, too, is having to know which pieces to segment out. I mean, the map changes every single time in TI, so we can't even dig into that. But the idea of, let's learn the base, and then we can then apply any of that to any map we play on or any faction we play on. Um, so getting into that like late game stuff you talk about, end game root, um, or like high level play, what are what are things you've seen done in root that by players that maybe you didn't expect or uh, nobody planned for, or just like those top level plays where you're like the best victory you've ever seen? Uh, we're, we're interested in what is root capable of. Right, right.
3: So there's been a few people who have pulled off. Um, a win with 15 or more points in one round. Uh, I'm among them. And uh, <laughs> and so there's this moment where you just kind of have to, you know, like you plan for it and then you tip the apple cart and suddenly everyone's like, oh no, you just did it. Um, and I, I those, those have been kind of fun moments for me. Um, there's a card in the original set called the, um, I forgot to talk about this, in the last expansion there's also a deck called the Exiles and Partisans, which replaces the base game's deck with new stuff to build, and it completely replaces it. But in the initial deck, there's these cards called the favor cards, and it's like favor of the foxes, favor of the rabbits, favor of the mice. And if you construct one, you wipe out every enemy piece in clearings of that color. And so, planning around that, I think, is a surprise for a lot of people because they, I, like people like are horrified when it goes off, and I'm always like, well things get lost in a war game you know it's okay you, you have the capability of, of coming back into the game you just have to figure out how to stage your comeback but I've also spent entire games as the river folk just preventing the other players from being able to build it because it's because you can it's telegraphed you can see what they need to do to build it and so you kind of have to watch those things and people will be like why are you picking at me and they're like well because you just got your third red crafting and I'm worried you have the favor card so um, and the otter player can't hold on to their own cards because they can they sell their cards so um, so that that's the, those are the sort of sorts of surprises i've been seeing is is that sort of like uh, that sort of management like managing the other players' arc to victory is more important than building your own arc to victory
0: that's a super interesting nugget there to do because it 's something that gets at I think all of our personal favorite types of games which in strategy it 's the idea that uh, you could come back at any moment. You can fall behind in some ways, but come back around. Do you do you think Root has uh, good comeback mechanics that encourage kind of like it's always a race to the finish line and nothing else?
3: I, I think so. And not I mean, there's very few guardrails in the game, which is kind of Cole's philosophy about design. Is is if you fall off if you fall off course, then that's on you to figure out how to get right. back on course. Um, but I mean, even with the interaction in a three or four player game between the players. Uh, eventually, the two heavy heavy players are gonna start hitting each other again, and then and then that gives you a moment where you're not no one's paying attention to you to get back into the game, and so I just the meta of the how that's played I think works pretty well in its favor. So yeah,
0: Patrick's got a TI bit,
3: and we need ah. to yeah. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> this is gonna be edited, right? Uh. So, all right. So I used to back uh back in the um I suppose late 90s I interned for Jeff Tidball, who works at Atlas Games now. And uh, Jeff, it's weird because Jeff and I went to school together and are the same age. And um, so I interned for Jeff. And at the time, Atlas Games and uh, a young company called Fantasy Flight uh, shared an office together. And Fantasy Flight at the time was a comic book distributor, I believe a comic book distributor for European comics in the US, or South American, I don't know which. And So they had half the warehouse with Atlas Games, who had the other half of the warehouse, in this commercial space they had together. Anyway, so I remember back then, Christian Peterson being on the phone, calling banks, and looking for the seed capital he needed to produce Twilight Imperium First Edition. And he he finally hit pay dirt, I believe, this is what I remember, with a community bank, like a farm community bank, uh, in one of the small towns in Minnesota, was willing to loan him the money he needed to get started with Twilight Imperium 1. And he had a very clear vision of what he was going to make, because those expansions were right on top of, you know. I mean, they were advertised in the initial box set, and, uh, and so produced all that, sold it, and the rest is history. So.
0: so what you're saying is the butterfly effect is if you hadn't held the door for Christian Peterson that one time, that's when he would have gotten hit by the car, we wouldn't have TI, we wouldn't have this podcast, and we, we just, we wouldn't be here at all. So it's all, it's all,
3: Patrick, thank you so much. It's all thanks to you. <laughs> nope. No problem at all. I mean, now I have to think about the other butterfly effect is. Maybe I did hurt somebody else. <laughs> no. Well, Patrick,
0: thank you so much for joining us. And, and we can't wait to play Root and uh, start digging in very, very deeply into it. So thank you so much.
3: Yeah. And the uh, Underworld expansion will be shipping soon. Uh, it should, it might be in stores by the end of the year. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Welcome to uh, this is the it's not the <laughs> errata part because we don't have anything to errata. Uh, <laughs> I was like when I get to bring us back in from from a break or whatever. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed uh, both of the interviews. They were really fun to do. And it was kind of amazing that people were willing to talk to us. I don't know. I was like blown away that we even got interviews. It's a new
0: experience Um, for us of like being taken a little bit seriously in these like public (laughs) spheres of of board gaming where where it's, it's fun
1: yeah uh it's nice and i want to i want to just kind of do some thank yous because uh, gen con was such an amazing uh experience uh i definitely want to thank uh everyone that came to the live show for um, sure there was what there was probably about uh 30 some odd people there were some space kitties there um I just every single one of you that came out to that show, thank you so much. And and everyone that, that listened to the live show last week, uh, it was so much fun to do. It was such a crazy experiment for us, and it's pretty wild. I think that it even went as well as it did. Yeah. Um, I I I I haven't been able to listen to it because it like <laughs> kind of gives me anxiety to listen to it. Um, yeah. But I listened to some of it and was just like, wow, this is this is really special that we were able to do this. And everybody that. We like played games with um, at Gen Con. Everyone that like was willing to like say hi and like there. There were so many people from the Discord uh, yeah. hanging out, um, and uh, all of our crew like EJ, Paul, Steven. Yeah, uh, I want to thank Root. We got to thank Root a lot. A like Root, thanks. Root really like if you if you guys thought Root. Well, actually, never mind. Uh, Root helping out on the tournament was a huge effort that he'll probably never be able to top uh, because that was just like an insane thing to do with us. But uh, this was, this was close. This This was was a lot too. Well, I just love having him as a part of our
0: team because he, he, he gels with all of our, I mean, Gen Con is a lot of us just bringing our dumb friends to this thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they kind of enjoy. And Alec like, gelled in with that perfectly like right away and he gels in with all the other stuff we do it's just always really refreshing to have somebody else there that's like clicking into all your same ideas Uh, and and what he set up for the live show was like kind of perfectly what we were hoping to get out
1: of it so i'm just really proud of him and and happy to have had him uh with us yeah um everybody that was in the freaking twilight imperium tournament uh that oh and also uh quick quick update real quick matt where's my video here we go well video video watch two but by the time this is
0: released boy the hope is that it's actually up i'm looking right now at the export and it says one hour remaining that has that has fooled me before so i make Mm -hmm. no promises but the goal is for it to be out uh any day now or already out uh and that will be the of course um the like live to tape version basically like unedited just what we were able to capture in the moment. And then we have all the footage kind of backed up that we might be able to then turn into something more condensed. But I just wanted to get this sort of like nonstop. You know, it's going to be the entire game from start to finish. Right.
1: Uh, nothing cut out. Uh, right. So, but so, it is yeah. a, it is like a live edit. Like you are seeing yes. just like one angle at a time. and And Matt was basically like picking the angle as yeah. we were um as we were commenting, it was a really
0: huge setup that i'm incredibly <laughs> proud of that ej and i were able to like kind of figure it all out we've been working on it for months and
1: just super stoked that it worked the way we wanted it to so there you have it definitely getting it in several days really yeah, hopefully like, i mean again the goal you is probably that already, already <laughs> you've probably already gotten it and you're watching it loving it or whatever um
0: boy i hope so
1: (laughs) (laughs) i hope it's not all messed up yeah i
0: i just i hate video editing uh let's let's get out of this nightmare scenario of me thinking about what could go wrong because it's what i've been doing for a week
1: oh wait i also want to thank ej (laughs) yeah Uh, we need to thank ej we really especially (laughs) need to thank ej uh because he brought he brought a lot of equipment yeah Uh, it was a combination of our equipment that we've gotten through the Patreon and then EJ's equipment married together into the wildest setup to film (laughs) a Twilight Imperium uh, game. Also, I want, I want to thank Blark knob.
2: Yeah. For hosting the
1: tournament for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Always got to thank Blark knob. Also, I want to thank Patrick who, uh, moderated the kind of like, like the, the he moderated like the first half of it and then knob yeah. nob daddy takes over halfway through because knob daddy was like knob some other thing um <laughs> but but yeah let's uh he's got was, his knobs on everything doesn't he yeah he's he's got Gen-Con. his knobs he's got his knob <laughs> at gen knob oh. <laughs> oh my oh, god dear. at con <laughs> everybody's gotta go to knob this year i'm ready dude. for that yeah NobCon's NobCon's like 2020. The, Yeah, that's the best deal. Thank, thank you, Stephen Wilbur. Thank you, Jessica Linverdi. Well, Uh, if hmm? you want to help, thank all those people. You should thank them on
0: iTunes by rating us and rating them. Uh, Give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts and everything. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod, Facebook uh space cats peace turtles you can find our posts every week on the twilight imperium subreddit you can join our patreon to help us do events like gen con uh all the money goes back into the show and getting equipment and helping us do trips where we can do all sorts of crazy stuff like hopefully the gen con video that is now out uh you can also join our discord to join in on conversation we talk strategy and we talk theme and we also just really screw around a lot on the discord and
1: uh yeah yeah what a wild what a wild week we had. What a weird Gen week. I'm
0: weird... really ready for the next one. Every year we learn more about Gen Con, and I'm just super pumped that to to know that this year went so much better than last year, and mm-hmm. I can only assume and hope that next year will go better than this year, which is saying something. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. So I'm I'm really pumped to, to keep doing this. It will, it will. Because next year I'm going by myself.
0: No <laughs> I'm not invited.
1: No, it's just me and Root. <laughs> And I mean the board game. (laughs) All right. Well, bye-bye. I'm tired, and I've been really sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you
0: for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica. Bellum Gloriosum.